everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. How are you? Well, it's um, not Teacher Appreciation Month, but, um, you know, teachers in the month of May get a week and a day to be uh, teacher appreciated. So, teacher, I, I feel... teacher Appreciation Week? That's it? Yeah week and then there's um a day within the week um that's like a teacher appreciation day oh so um, is that when they get like i don't know no. yeah it's just like you know usually um parents or you know of younger students or um you know students when they're older will will um do something for their favorite teachers and uh, like bring them a cupcake or something yeah um sometimes the schools will like make a lunch you know from restaurants or something each um each day of the week they'll have like um oh that sounds like a nice. coffee bar maybe or breakfast bar set up at one meal or um ice like cream truck yeah, just different things like that each day of the week, and usually there's some kind of gifts, um, you know, that people bring for their, and it's, um, I think, like the first full week of May, so it's, um, you know, when most schools are pretty much at the end of the year, mm-hmm. and um, so it seems like a really good time to honor teachers and all the work that they do. Do you and, do you remember any of the gifts that students gave to you? I do. Um, <laughs> I have like a really funny uh, gift, actually. Okay. Uh, it was my last day of student teaching, and um, so the students um, they they had a party for me. You know, like each different period. Um, they had their own way of, you know, whether it was a cake or cupcakes or, you know, whatever, like they each had planned their own events, but, um, you know, a lot of them wrote cards or things like that. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so one class, um, I just asked them like, you know, they, I had a little box and they could put in it you know, anything that they wanted me to remember them by. So it could be a note, you know, it could be whatever that they wanted. And um, this one kid, he he took a potato chip from the the party stuff and he put his name, (laughs) he wrote his name on that potato chip (laughs) and um, he put it in the box and that's... um, that's a true story, uh, and I, and I kept it for like a lot of years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Did he uh, like become famous or anything? So like maybe the no. chip was worth something someday? Or? No, um, it was just worth a lot to me because um, he had been a student that had had a difficult semester that was all I was there for was student teaching mm-hmm. um, but I you know I felt like that um, we connected and and I was able to work well with him and um, it was just kind of his way of saying thank you I, I, <laughs> okay potato chip hmm. that's interesting yeah well it's unique you know yeah <laughs> never have since gotten any uh, potato chips uh, like that. Autographed, so, he, autographed either, I assume. It's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Have you gotten any other gifts that over the years, like when you were um, when you were actually teaching? Oh uh, well, uh, I'll tell you. <laughs> I I taught um, first, second, and third grade um, for a couple of years. Okay. And, um, elementary school kids and their parents. I mean, that's where the presents are. <laughs> 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 you know, like beyond potato chip presents, right? Yeah. Yes, like clothes and jewelry and you really know, like <laughs> everything they bring to you. So, oh, so they would bring in like their parents' stuff? No, I mean like the parents would, you know. I mean they're first, second, and third graders, so they'd all bring presents to me, and um, it's like it's sort of like teaching them, like if one. Uh, if one of them had a said their their tummy was hurting, right. you know, and you said like, "Oh, I'm so sorry," you know, or whatever, give them attention, then like everyone's tummy was hurting. Oh, I see. Yeah. So with with the um, presents, it was kind of the same thing. Like if one kid brought a present, and you know, you're like, "Oh, this is so cool," and you know, show it to the class then you're going to get, like, a lot of presents because everybody then tells their parents, you know. Oh, I see. So They've got to bring a present to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of a racket. Like, oh, I need uh, new shingles on my roof. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think a lot of the gifts are, are not even tangible things, uh, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you know if someone brought my favorite chewing gum Mm -hmm. uh, or you know just things that like that they picked up on uh, as being important to me right Uh, didn't matter if they cost you know nothing like potato chip basically um you know that part of it didn't matter um but it was very you know it's very it's very nice to be appreciated no matter um you know, no matter what career or mm-hmm. whatever, and um, so. So what what did kids do when, like, you were teaching what high school when when you retired? Yes, yeah, so I did. After first, second, third grade, I did move to high school. So, what were the kids giving you for teacher appreciation week then? Um, it, so then it, it would be more um, again like they would bring in candies uh you know mm-hmm. a lot of them are like um like i love no bake <laughs> cookies right <laughs> and so a lot of them would bring in things like that um tens of things you know like tens of cookies mm. uh, i i mean i know there were more things like a, a basket that um that their parents like uh, for those that had really you know crafty gifted parents that, right. like they would bring things like that um you know it's just a, a lot of different things um a lot of uh, too because i taught drama mm-hmm. a lot of times they would bring in something related to um you know whatever we were performing um i had for the longest time i had um a doll um, dressed like a pink lady from Greece <laughs> that a student had, you know, had brought in. It was, you know, in the box and kind of like the holiday Barbie look, only it was a Sandy. Oh, from cool. Greece. And, uh, you know, I, I kept that, um, you know, probably 20 years. And um, one of my drama students, um, who has the same birthday as as me uh, and you know after school we became friends like right uh, and he had a daughter and um so i thought it was time you know to get rid of of the sandy doll um and so i i give it to him to give to his daughter and now uh-huh. she's in middle school now so um uh just things like that or a lot of times it would be things from the shows or that reminded them of the shows that 
every time I looked at it, I would think of that person or that class. Yeah. Well, speaking of shows, we have... Who's our guest this week, Kat? Yes, we have Charlotte Stewart. And um, I think it's very appropriate that we have her because, um, you know, she played a teacher uh, on Little House on the Prairie. So she's very... Uh, very famous for being Miss Beetle. Yeah, I remember her. Yeah, I think everybody, you know, remembers Miss Beetle. And uh, so it's great that we have, or getting to have Charlotte to, you know, tell us what it was like to play a teacher. I don't know if she had any um, teaching experience, but, you know, maybe she come from a family of teachers. Uh, we'll be finding out. She wrote a book, too, I believe, did she not? Yes, and we're, we're going to talk to her about the book, and that is available on Amazon. Um, so, you know, uh, she was on Twin Peaks, and um, she has a, a really fascinating um, backstory, but getting to start um, your career as Miss Beetle and that's pretty amazing and it's really amazing for us to be able to celebrate teachers with this episode because we have um you know we've interviewed several teachers over these the episodes that um yeah i remember we did an episode way back with uh uh three of them and uh yeah that was interesting right that was right around the Time the pandemic was in full swing, and uh, they talked about the challenges of teaching during that. And then we also interviewed them. I think it was a year later, and uh, you know, just to catch up and see what had changed and that sort of thing. And that was kind of interesting as well. Well, teaching, you know, is a wonderful job. It's a difficult job, and I think that you have to. You know, your your heart needs to be in that, um, to be, you know, I, yeah. I think there's, you know, not everyone is made to be a teacher, um, but for people that choose that career, like, it gives back way more than you can imagine. I'm sure. I couldn't imagine being a teacher, I just, because I remember what type of student I was. Well, you know, I, I just like that type student that I imagine it to be. Huh. Uh, I, I feel like those were some that I connected the best with because I, um, you know, I, I just, as a person, I feel like that I'm pretty compassionate and um, I don't know, uh, maybe sometimes students just wanted someone to pay attention to them or sure you know find the good in them and uh, because often uh, if they haven't been a great student um you know a lot that they hear is just a negative or maybe they failed classes or whatever so right it was a good it was a good career for me and um I, i'm happy that i got to be a part of it and i'm really happy that um I'm going to get to be a part of interviewing um, Charlotte Stewart about playing Miss Beetle. All right. Well, let's talk to Charlotte. Charlotte Stewart, I want to welcome you to Backstory Sessions. We are so excited to have you as our guest today. Well, I'm excited that you're excited. Wow. My age, I don't know that that happens very often. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I am looking at the title of your book, and yeah. um, that is quite intriguing. So, Little House in the Hollywood Hills, A Bad Girl's Guide to Becoming Miss Beetle, Mariette, and Me. So, uh -huh. that title kind of indicates a paradox of sorts. <laughs> you know, when did the bad girl start? Oh, my God. Oh, bad girl. I think I was born a bad girl, although uh, I, I guess I, I got to high school. I was raised on a farm in a small town, and every the 
all my all the girls were popular and and cheerleaders and all of that and i could never figure that out you know it just it just didn't make any sense to me so bad girl probably started when i moved away from home and ended up in hollywood of all places uh, so you moved from where was the farm where did you grow up the farm was in northern california yuba city california and I, I couldn't get into college because I had terrible grades in high school. I was a terrible student. And all my friends were going off to UCLA and Stanford and, you know, fabulous colleges. And I couldn't. So I saw an advertisement on the back of Teen Magazine. I'm talking 1958. So Teen Magazine was popular. And it was a picture of Earl Holloman. And he was saying that he graduated from the Pasadena Playhouse the State Theater of California. So I thought, oh, you know, n never had it occurred to me to be an actress. <laughs> but that was kind of fascinating. So I wrote to the Pasadena Playhouse. I sent for an application. They sent it. I filled it out, signed my mother's name, and sent it back. And I was accepted. <laughs> and then I told my mother. <laughs> mom said, remember well, that letter you signed <laughs> yeah well we'll see about this i know so i had to cop to it so we drove to pasadena and, and i'm 17 years old right um my sister and brother were both a students off to college and all and we don't know what i'm gonna do so we drive to pasadena and we see the pasadena playhouse and i have to say it was pretty darned it impressive it was seven stories tall it had five theaters uh the part my mother loved was that i had to live in a dormitory for two years uh when i you know if i was going to go there and she said okay so that's how it started wow and I, I was terrible when i when i first got there in fact, one of my teachers said, you might want to rethink this. <laughs> and that all it did was make me mad. <clears throat> and the next the next uh, audition I did, the next play I did at the Pasadena Playhouse, she made the statement afterward that I was the most improved student in the class. Aww. So I don't know, I guess, you know, something happened and I got more interested. But, you know, it was... Um, it, it, I wasn't in Hollywood. I was at a you know a college in Pasadena, which is rather sedate. And it didn't happen until a talent scout. I was in the Miss California pageant that year because they wanted girls from small towns in California to be in the pageant. So they just let me be in the pageant. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't win Miss Yuba City. <laughs> but I was in the pageant and a... a casting director saw me called me in after that and i got a commercial for tony home permanent wow and oh wow i, I know and then they made that into a, a tv commercial and i started getting money i did not know what it was about <laughs> I, I had no idea you got paid for doing this <laughs> so that was the start and a casting director saw me and cast me in the Loretta Young show. Do you remember the Loretta Young show, You Too Young? I've heard of it, yeah. Okay, she was a famous movie star. Yeah. One of the first who would have a television series, you know, of all things. Mm. You know, how low can you get? But I, I did the Loretta Young show, and then I just started doing all of those Bachelor Father and My Three Sons, Medical Center, FBI, every television show that needed a teenager because fortunately I looked younger than I was by the time I was in my twenties, I still looked 18. And, uh, so I got a lot of work and, uh, it was, I decided, yeah, I was going to do this for a living. So were you then feeling like that is the, a fit for you? Like that is where you were supposed to be in acting? Absolutely. Absolutely. Not a doubt. Not a doubt about it. Plus, I was starting to meet, you know, when you work in a lot of uh, television and stuff, you, you start to meet celebrities. I married Tim Considine, who is the son on My Three Sons. Mm -hmm. um, I, <laughs> I was like, 
one of the first TV shows I did, I married the star. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do you say? And then, of course, in Hollywood, you know, in the in the, this was uh, during the 1960s, 65, 66, getting into the 70s, which became, you know, we were hippies. By the time we hit, you know, the 70s, you know, we were we were uh, long haired, dope smoking, you know, fringe wearing <laughs> hippies. So that's where the bad girls started. You know, I was a, I was a young single girl making a, quite a bit of money in television. And, um, you know, it was, I guess, very attractive. And I started meeting, meeting rock and roll. You know, my one of my boyfriends was a manager for. Uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, Joni Mitchell, you know, um, and I started kind of moving in that crowd, which was, you know, kind of racy, I guess you would call. It. Yeah, sure. Lots of, uh, <laughs> lots of, uh, you know, sort of the drug culture thing, I guess. It was the start of the drug culture, basically, yeah. and it wasn't. It, it we weren't, you know, falling out you know, uh, drug addicts or anything. We were smoking marijuana, okay? Right, yeah. Smoking marijuana, maybe doing a couple other things, but nothing, nothing that would ever interfere with my work. My work came first. If I had to get up at six o'clock in the morning, go to Paramount Studios to shoot, you know, something. Yeah. I was always ready. You know, it was, in fact, I have a funny story, if you, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, remember yeah. that the Sharon Tate, at, yeah, at that time, um, we didn't know who was doing it. We didn't know who, who killed them. We didn't know there was a Charlie Manson running around. Right. But we had, it was very scary because it was up in the canyons where a lot of my friends lived. And Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, they had a drummer named Dallas Taylor. And there was a party, at, a, a, not a big party, but a party at his house. And Joni Mitchell didn't drive yet. She had just moved out from Canada and didn't have a car. And I used to take her places. And um, uh, so we were at we were at Dallas's house when David Crosby and and Stephen Stills came bursting through the door, saying they're killing everybody in Benedict Canyon. Oh no! And we went what? <laughs> Don't anybody go anywhere. Turn out the lights. You know. Jeez. <laughs> oh, it was very scary. I bet. Yeah. And I, I I said but. But I have to shoot Bonanza tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go home. <laughs> Little so Joe is I waiting. Just, <laughs> I just, I have to jump in my car and drive home, get ready to go do a Bonanza. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so Michael Landon um, in Bonanza, yeah. and then later in Little House on the Prairie. That's pretty interesting. Well, I never, I did three different episodes of Bonanza. I never met Michael. Okay. Although I'm, sh yeah, I'm sure he saw me because if you're in a television series, you watch the series, correct? Sure. sure. You know? So, I mean, I'm assuming. And so when I went in to read for Little House on the Prairie, I had never heard of it. I didn't know it was a children's book. I didn't know that what it was about, all I know is it was a Western and I was reading for a teacher. Mm -hmm. So I get to Paramount and I walk in the waiting room and there's all these women in Old West clothes. And I thought, <laughs> oh no. Of course, I'm in my jeans and a t-shirt, tie-dye t-shirt. And, <laughs> and wow. uh, they, they, the casting director comes out and he says, are you ready? And I said, um, yeah, okay. I had the dialogue. It was the first day Mary, Mary and Laura go to school. And so the, it was a scene where I introduced them to the school. And so I go into the room, and it's all men. Hmm. All the way around the room. There's 10 men. And a big desk at the end. And the producer is sitting there. And I look to my left, and there's Michael Landon sitting in a folding chair. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, this is big. This, this is big. <laughs> so the producer says to me, are you ready to read? And I said, may I sit behind your desk? And he looked at me, and the men all looked at each other. And he said, uh, okay. 
he got up and moved to a folding chair and I went and sat behind the big desk and they were starting to kind of murmur and laugh a little bit. And I said, quiet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's what got me the part. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I don't know what made me say, can I sit behind your desk? It, it just came out, and I, and I think it was a pretty good decision yeah. because I, I got four years working with Michael Landon and, and you know, Melissa, you know, and Melissa Sue Anderson and Nancy yeah. Gilbert and all these incredible children that have now grown up to be dear friends of mine, you know, as we get older. Yeah, we, uh, we talked so. to Allison Angram not too long ago. Oh, did she just knock your socks off? Oh, she's awesome. Yeah, she was great. Yeah. I just, I was just on the road with her. Oh. And I, I just adore her. She is, she's funny, she's hysterical, and she's one of the smartest people I've ever met. Yeah, you know she, what I mean, you know? Yeah, she seems very sweet, she, for sure. Yeah, she speaks fluent French. Yeah. And she's very knowledgeable, and she has her own, you know, Facebook show. Yeah. She cooks. She does it all. Uh, What was it like on the set there? Were there, uh, you know, with a a lot of children, actors, and... um... It was quite familiar, actually, for me, because um, my older sister, Barbara Jean, she had seven children, um, you know, and she's nine years older than me, so she was already having children when I was still in high school, and she... um, they were, you know, from two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. They were all ages, so that was a very familiar atmosphere to me to be in. Children of all ages and a little bit raucous, you know. Yeah, I can imagine. She, had, she always had one at her breast, one on the floor, one falling <laughs> down the stairs, you know. <laughs> so I kind of knew, <clears throat> and also Michael, Michael, and the, the writers, uh, obviously, uh, wrote it very cleanly very simply mm-hmm. and the good part about playing a teacher on a show is that children can only work so many hours you right. know they can work it depends on their age the little ones they can work four hours a day so they have to keep leaving and going to the nursery or going to school all the children had to go to school yeah. uh, four hours a day so they would leave for you know 45 minutes to an hour at a time and and then and also they can't work past a certain time so almost every show I had ever worked on, you work till 11 o'clock at night, you come in at six in the morning. I yeah. mean, that's just the way it is. Michael was a family man. He had a family he wanted to go home and have dinner with. <laughs> and so did his crew. His crew had come to Little House from Bonanza. They waited until he got a show. And then, you know, there, there they all were. So, you know, we worked, we worked early, but we were off at six o'clock at night going home awesome. and that's the way it was with michael landon uh, is there any funny stories that happened like on the set that we didn't get to see <laughs> oh i'm sure um <clears throat> i don't i don't think i had a lot of funny stories there um it was mainly you know we we kind of hung out together you know i was i was 33 when i did little house on the prairie and when that was over, uh, I went on to some very different shows than most people that watch Little House on the Prairie. I went on to Twin Peaks, which was a David Lynch series. Yeah. I had done, before before I did Little House, I had done David's first movie, which was called Eraserhead, oh, which won that. the LA yeah. Film Credits Award. Yeah. yeah. It's, pretty, it's pretty strange. Uh, but I had done that. And then after Little House, he asked me to go on to Twin Peaks. And, you know, that was, it was very different. Also, when I was doing the Racerhead, I was doing the Waltons. I did the first episode of the Waltons. Oh, wow. Year. And David Lynch only works after midnight. He <laughs> works from midnight till 6, 7 in the morning. So I would work all night long on Racerhead, And then I would go to Warner Brothers and work on the Waltons. <laughs> if you can imagine that di- diverse you know, storyline. Yeah. <clears throat> it was pretty, it was pretty interesting. I was just the, with the cast of the Waltons in Illinois a week and a half ago, you know, reliving those days. And I remind, I told them 
which they didn't know that I had done Eraserhead. And I told them that that morning when I showed up to do the the last scene in the Waltons in the living room, I was so confused. I I was (laughs) bumbling my lines and apologizing like crazy, but, and they had no idea why. And I, I finally, you know, told them this time, you know what was going on? Hmm. I was up all night with David Lynch. <laughs> yeah, they might have thought you'd been at the Baldwin sisters. I don't know. Who knew? <laughs> I don't know. See, um, anyway. Do you like you being, me... uh, like you being me... a part of a series? Do you, do you like that? Like, I imagine you become sort of like family over time. Well, you do, you know, because I worked with most mostly children, um, I didn't really get to know the rest of the cast. I mean, I did later, but I didn't work with Karen Grassley, who played Ma, and I didn't work with Victor French, and I didn't, you know, I didn't do a lot of work with Michael, uh, because I was mainly in the schoolroom. Mm. Um, of course, Michael directed a lot of the shows, so I did, did know him there, but, um, you know, mainly I was with the kids, so I got to know their parents. You know, Allison Arndam's mom was a was a pal (laughs) (laughs) because we we spent a lot of time, you know, kind of sitting around the set waiting to shoot. But, yeah, it was it was different for a teacher on the series because you're not with any of the other cats. I mean, with exception, you know, I had a couple of couple episodes where I worked with Karen. Uh, but mainly, I was just with uh, Melissa Gilbert, Melissa Sue Anderson, and Melissa and uh, Allison Arndam. They were my pals, but they were children. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I did have a brief affair with Subject to French while that while I was shooting. Wow! Uh, I just adore, I adored Victor. He was at the time going through a really bad time. He had he had divorced and. Was he was just in a bad way, and I just felt like I was more his friend than anything, you know, giving comfort. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's a good time to talk about some of these relationships that you've had. Um, oh yeah, you read my book, huh? <laughs> and quite interesting. Um, you know, not many people can say that they have. Um, so were, were they mostly <laughs> friendships or friends with benefits or mostly, I would say mostly friends with benefits. The yeah. ones I fell in love with, I married basically. Um, that's just kind of the way it was. I, I was not, a, I was kind of a party girl, but not really. Um, friends with benefits is a good way to put it. I'll give you an example. I became friends with Jim Morrison of the doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a, I had a clothing store uh, after Little House on the Prairie. It was called the Liquid Butterfly. You have to remember, I was a hippie back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the Liquid Butterfly was very popular with rock and roll. And I came into my store one day, and Jim Morrison was in the store. He was looking out the window, and he said, oh, do you mind if I'm in here? And, you know, <laughs> yeah, like I'm going to say, no, no, get out. <laughs> get out. <laughs> <laughs> So he, he asked uh, later on that day, his his manager was across the hall. I was in a, my store was in basically in an office building upstairs on La Cienega Boulevard, mm-hmm. which is a big restaurant boulevard. And uh, so he, came, he said, you want to go for a drink? And I said, sure. So we'd walk down the street. And this happened quite a few times. He, he wanted someone to be with him, drink with him, and possibly go home with him. Except he went home with me instead of me going with him. Um, I became his friend. And he hit a part, a point in his life where he was arrested in Florida for indecent exposure. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he was in a lot of trouble and possibly going to jail. <clears throat> so he said, I need to get out of town. I just, the paparazzi were hounding him and he said, I need to get out of town. And I said, he said, you want to go? And I said, okay, sure, where are we going? He said, I have the faintest idea. And I said, that's okay, I'll, I'll point. So I said, have you ever been up Highway 1 on the coast of California? He said, nope. I said, okay, that's where we're going. I got friends up the road. 
So we took off and we drove up Highway 1. We went through Malibu. We got as far as Malibu the first night. Um, that was, you know, about two miles out of LA. <laughs> <laughs> so we got, we got to Malibu. And then the next day we got back on the road and we got up to Solvang, which is where the Hearst Castle is. Yeah. And he had never been to the Hearst Castle. I, by the way, we were stopping and playing pool all along the way, <laughs> drinking and playing pool. And so, we, and I was just saying, you know, turn here, turn there. And uh, so we went up to Hearst Castle. In fact, in my book, you will see there's a picture of him with a sandwich or something at Hearst Castle. Mm -hmm. uh, we went, we went on the tour, and uh, you know, it was interesting. He'd never been there. He didn't know anything about William Randolph Hearst. And then I took him to see some friends there that uh, one was a, a metal sculptor, Peter Fells. And Peter didn't even know who he was. You know, Jim didn't look like Jim Morrison then. Hmm. He was kind of overweight. He had a full beard, long hair. And my friend Peter had no idea it was Jim Morrison. But they got along famously because he, uh, Peter showed Jim his sculpture that he was working on and showed him around the you know the, the studio and stuff and jim was fascinated you know and it what it did was it got his mind off all that trouble right, you know yeah. he had so much so many people hounding him hmm. and i actually asked him when we were on the road i said because he was arrested for indecent exposure and i said what happened did you do it and he said yeah I, I don't remember it, but that's what they told me. <laughs> he said, I had been drinking all the way from California to Texas, and our plane got delayed, and we had to hang out and drink some more. And by the time I got to Florida, I don't remember anything. You don't remember anything. Yeah. And he said, so they tell me I did. So, you know, I, I, and he didn't want to talk anymore about it, which I understand. Mm -hmm. That's what he was avoiding. So I just laid, I just forgot it. So we spent four days on the road and got back to LA and he dropped me off at my store and I never saw him again oh. because within six months he was dead. Jeez. Uh, wow. And I just, you know, I think if anything, I mean, I was, I was happy. I was glad that we did the trip. It wasn't an affair. It wasn't love. It was friends with benefits like right. you said yeah, yeah. and uh, I thought maybe I gave him a little bit of peace you know for the end sure. but he didn't know it was the end you know he went he went to Europe with his wife Pam and uh, they settled in Paris and I guess he got into some drugs and stuff there yeah. that's what I hear mm. but it broke my heart so, well <laughs> I mean was this like a like a said a lot of people came in there um, into your store and stuff. Um, oh my god. One day Joni Mitchell came in and left. As uh, always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to Kat at iWritePlays at Outlook.com or you can write to me at BackstorySessions at gmail.com or Matt at Level11Ventures.com Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. I mean, you must, that must have been like, I guess, sort of the norm for you, um, because all well, these people are coming in and out of your career and also your business here uh, with this store. And it was fairly common, you know, it was fairly common to, you know, for people to, you know, walk in and out or to be somewhere. I don't know. I just, it was my normal life. At that point, you know, Joni Mitchell would be playing the troubadour and, you know, so we'd go there and, you know, Neil, Neil Young was, um, I remember sitting in the dressing room at the troubadour. Troubadour is rock, was, I don't know if it still is, rock and roll. Right. Um, not a huge venue, but pretty big. And um, so Neil was, Joni Mitchell was opening for Neil Young. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. You can imagine. And and I had to work on a TV show the next day, and I was dating Joni's their manager, uh, Elliot Roberts, and so that's how I happened to be there with both of them. Mm-hmm. And so I had I was doing either a Gunsmoke or FBI or Medical Center or you know one of those television shows the next day. So I had my script. And I had to study, so I was up in the dressing room while Neil was tuning his guitar. <laughs> you know, that's how casual life was then. Yeah, I mean, we... You no, know, it wasn't... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just seems a little surreal to hear those things and... I know, you know. I know, but it was... That was that was my norm. Yeah. Wow. You know, that was my norm. And, of course, I've, I've gone through a lot of down times, too. You know, I... I I uh, I drank very heavily at mm. the end of that. After I left Little House on the Prairie, um, I kind of got out there too far, and I had a drinking problem. And I ended up I got sober. Uh, I was sober for 26 years um, when I married my second, my third, excuse me, my third husband. Um, we were sober together 22 years, and then he he passed away mm. um, uh, 12 years ago. And I went off the wagon again. And I just got sober again. So this Friday, the 5th of May, I will have one year sobriety again. Awesome. So I'm, I'm back on track. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All that stuff took its toll. You know, I thought I was taking care of myself, and I wasn't. Right. Um, but I didn't. There was nobody to blame but me. It happens. I am an alcoholic. And when I get into my disease, I go off the bend. But I'm I'm pretty committed now, um, sober for a, be a year on Friday. So, so yeah. Do you go? Do you do the AA meetings and all that, or is I do it every day. Oh, okay. I missed my one today because I had to drive um, 25 miles to a fabric store because I'm working on my bags. Uh-huh. I I don't know if you know anything about the beetle bags. I make. I make tote bags with uh, pictures from Little House on the Prairie, oh, and cool. I take them with me on these journeys to the Midwest and all over. I sold all my bags in Illinois, and that's why I'm sewing like crazy now, because <laughs> I leave again a week from today um, to go to, where am I going? Um, I forget. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't remember where I'm going. They'll send me a ticket, and I get on a plane. You know? <laughs> Yeah, somebody said one time you should write a book and I said oh. it was when I moved to Napa I moved to Napa when I retired at 65 uh-huh. because I I couldn't remember lines anymore quite frankly mm. um, I was not doing well uh, with work and I said okay I'm not going to embarrass myself or anybody else anymore I quit so I called my agent and I said, don't submit me for anything anymore because I'm not, I don't think I will do it very well. And I would rather not, you know, be an embarrassment to people and stuff. Right. So I quit acting, but then I started getting calls to go on the road with these um, venues, you know, where, where people come from all over to get your autograph. Yeah. You know? The, I, I had I had no idea what that, Allison probably talked a lot about that. Yeah, she right? did a little bit, yeah. Yeah, she does a lot of it. Yeah. But I started getting offers to do that, and I wanted something to sell. And I've always sewn. I told you I had a clothing store. I had, I used to make uh, cowboy shirts uh-huh. and vests and um, women's kind of peasant dresses. That's what I was known for, those three things. Mm-hmm. And then uh, <clears throat> I sold the store when I got Little House, so I hadn't sewn in a long time. But now I make beetle bags, and they sell like crazy. That's awesome. I sell them online. I put, I post them on Facebook, and then when I go on tour, I take them with me, and I sold everyone I had how do you in keep, Missouri. How so, do you keep up with the orders? I mean, is, is it just you, or do you have help? Or no, no, I don't have help. I it's just me. Wow. Um, I just uh, I try to make three a day, two to three a day. Wow. Um, you know, and that takes me. You know, I, I don't I don't just lock myself in the room, but I've got it down pretty good. You know, so that when I when I put it to get when I cut it and put it together, I mean, I do everything from buying the fabric to cutting the fabric, 
putting it all together, designing the look. Right. <clears throat> and uh, it's very relaxing for me. So my husband will sit down and watch Blood and Guts on television, <laughs> and I go in my phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. But they're very popular, so uh, and it pleases me very much, and I charge a lot of money for them, and um, I get it. So, you know. That's cool. It's working. So what was the response to your book? I mean, did you get a lot of, uh, a lot of feedback oh. from that? Oh, my God, yes. Because I tell the truth in my book. You know, I tell the bad things and the good things and the oh my God things. Right. Um, when, my, when I was first approached <clears throat> to write the book, I had already moved to Napa. I had quit acting. And um, my, my writing partner worked for um, the local newspaper. <clears throat> he was a, a, a writer mm -hmm. and a newspaper man. And his children were in a ballet and I was asked by the local ballet company to play mother in the Christmas ballet, uh -huh. you know, there's no dancing involved. Right. <laughs> All she does is kind of, Stand you know, <laughs> waltz across the room once with Pa, yeah. and uh, and so we had a lot of downtime. And Andy said, "You should write a book." And I went, oh, "I barely got out of high school. Are you kidding? I can't write a book." <laughs> he said, "No." He said, "Just tell stories." Because that's what I'd been doing. Right. You know, we were sitting on the floor of the ballet company waiting for our turn to rehearse. Mm -hmm. And so I would just sit there and tell Andy's stories. And so I did. I sat down and I wrote one and I gave it to him. And he said, you got to do more than mm -hmm. this. <laughs> so we used to meet every two weeks at Starbucks. And I would tell him stories. And he would come back two weeks later with it all written out. And I would tell him another story. So that's how I wrote the book. I just wow. told stories, just like he told me to. <laughs> that's, that's great. Because <laughs> you can tell it's in my, my voice. The, Was you know, it difficult to decide um, to expose some of the dark moments, such as... Yeah, no, it I, wasn't hard at all, because Andy said, whatever you do, tell the truth. And that was the truth. You know, the things I told in there about myself, which maybe weren't so pleasant, you know, or so pretty. Yeah. That's me. And I'm not the only one that happens to. You know, this is life. This is the world. People make mistakes. And I needed to admit that, uh, you know, I made a lot of mistakes. But you know what? You can get over it. You can recover. You can make amends. And you can change your life. And I really feel that's what happened to me um, at the point where I wrote, when I was writing the book. Uh, it really opened my eyes that I wasn't just this boring drunk. You know, I had some things to say about life and about treatment, how you treat each other and how to recover mm -hmm. and how to make the best, you know, of what you got. And I believe that that's what I did. My husband passed away and um, about 12 years ago, and I, I met an old friend at my brother's house. His sister had married my brother, and I hadn't seen Michael for some 30 years. And we looked at each other at the door, and I said, come on in. <laughs> <laughs> and about three days later, he moved in with me, and we've been together ever since. Wow. We've been married for seven years, and uh, it, life is wonderful. And so is that what you learned from writing the book about yourself? Is that you? I guess. I never had looked at myself. I had never taken a look at how I was dealing with life or what I was doing or why I was doing it, and that I needed, I needed to look at the mistakes I had made and wondering why I had made them and that I could recover. You know, recovery isn't just from alcohol. Recovery is from living, you know. Uh, I see a lot of people who, who are not alcoholic and don't drink, and they are terrible, you know. They behave badly. They treat their children badly. Yeah. And um, so recovery is more than just, uh, you know, recovering from an, an addiction. Um, I, I learned a lot along the way, 
and I feel blessed. I feel solely blessed. And I've had, this last week, I've had a lot of pain in the family. My nephew passed away suddenly of cancer. His niece is one of it's my love. Teresa is my sister's child, and I, I just love my family. So we're and my sister's um, husband passed away. Where his memorial is this Friday, mm. and so there's a lot of heaviness right now in emotion. Mm-hmm. And yet I had a lot of joy with those people. Paolo, my my niece's husband, and and Herb, my my sister's husband. I love them so much, and now we're going to celebrate them. And uh, I have a very close family, and I'm so lucky. I see so many people who can't stand their family, you know. But yeah. I'm I'm really lucky, so lucky. Yeah. So, has, <laughs> uh, have people oh, have people responded? Um, like after they read the books, have they uh, have they responded to you that? You know, maybe they were an addict and uh, some impact that the book had. Like it gives sometimes, them hope. Sometimes um, I get, when I hear people, it's mostly women, uh, older women, you know, and I, I say, I read your book. And I said, yeah, did you, did you even read the bad part? They went, oh, yeah. <laughs> they're a little bit shocked, you know. But they're delighted because it had a happy ending, you know. It, it, uh, that I'm okay. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe I gave somebody hope who had been through a similar situation. I mean, I had breast cancer, and and it, it put me in a path to understand what that meant to a woman mm-hmm. and when i got to um, napa my niece had breast cancer and she was in treatment here at the hospital and they had this fabulous program for her after her surgery and chemo and radiation she got to go to a recovery program mm-hmm. to get her back on her feet now when i had cancer back in 1991 there wasn't such a thing and i went to the biggest hospital in la cedar sinai there was no recovery. I finished my, my program, and they said, bye, Good luck. see you later, have a nice <laughs> life. And it took me forever to recover because mm. it's painful and it's tiring, and uh, I couldn't work. So when I saw that, I became an advocate here in Napa, and I start, that's when I started my beetle bags, and I gave 20% off the top to the recovery program here called Bosom Buddy. So, um, you know, I wanted women who had gone through breast cancer to have an alternative to recovery so that they they had this wonderful program. So I still support it today. That's awesome. So I'm I'm curious, like, how much effect did um, leaving Little House have on you and your life? I mean, you were, were you doing other things while you were acting on that show or was that like? No, I, I only did, I did one movie of the week, um, a, a <laughs> return to Peyton Place kind of movie. It wasn't very good. Okay. Um, no, when, when I was doing Little House, I was under contract for four years. Oh, okay. So I didn't, I didn't do anything else. And yeah. then after I did that, I did Twin Peaks, but it wasn't under contract. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have a lot else going on, and I was free. Oh, I and see. David Lynch was, you know, still a good friend of mine. So he, you know, God bless him, he put me in as much as he could. And I had a ball. Yeah. I had so much fun doing that. And then Jack Nance, have you seen Eraserhead? Uh, I have. It was many years ago, though. So. Yeah, Dave, uh, Jack Nance, who played Henry, the main character in yeah. Eraserhead, yeah. was also in Twin Peaks. And he had just gotten out of treatment and didn't have a place to live. And so we moved in together. So when we were doing Twin Peaks, we were actually roommates. We weren't a couple. We were roommates. You know, so, and David Lynch was both our best friend. Yeah. You know, so, so it was, it was perfect. Hmm. And I think I, I think I helped Jack uh, get through his recovery. And then that's where he met Kelly and got married and, you know, Mm -hmm. like that. So. 
Yeah, old friends are the best friends. That's my motto. Yeah, so I'm, <laughs> I'm curious, like, if you ran into Neil Young, I mean, do you think he would remember you? Oh, my God. I, he, I did a movie with him. Oh, really? I played Charlotte the Waitress in a movie called Human Highway. you got to look it up. Okay. Absolutely. He wrote he wrote the foreword to my book. Oh, okay. If you look at the back of my book, he writes there. Uh, oh, I forget what he wrote. Um, I don't have my book handy right now. Um, <laughs> Hang on, hang on. I'm, I, my book is right here. I just ordered a bunch more to take on my next trip. <laughs> yeah, if you look at the look at the back of the book, uh-huh. right at the trial, right at the top, it says, "I didn't know Miss Beetle knew so much about sex, drugs, and rock and roll." <laughs> <laughs> that's Neil. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> and David Lynch, David Lynch wrote a piece on it, and then Nellie Allison Underground wrote. Uh, an inspiring story of survival. <laughs> She's the last, you know, thing on it. Yeah. So yeah, Neil's a, Neil is a very good friend. Although I don't um, see him very often because he he lives in a different state, and yeah, I don't yeah. run in that crowd anymore. Yeah. You know, I don't think anybody runs in that <laughs> crowd anymore. Aren't they all dead? Uh, you know? They're a dying breed for sure. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> So when you go out and meet the fans for Little House, um, yeah, do you do the same for Twin Peaks because I know they have a lot of, um, you know, following you. Listen, I have to tell you, I just drove uh, forty miles to a fabric store because Napa is a very small town. They have no fabric store here, mm-hmm. so when I have to go buy product, I have to drive um, up, the, up the road a bit. And so I'm in the store today, and there's, there's this guy, wait, woman and guy waiting on me, and they know who I am because I go there a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently they had told some other people who I was. And I got stopped for autographs in, <laughs> in the fabric store. And then when I got to checkout, and I bought quite a bit because it's a long drive and I don't want to do it you know, every day. Sure. I bought a lot of stuff. And so the, the guy that was checking me out was a nervous wreck. He just says, <laughs> I, I saw Twin Peaks and I saw a razor head and I saw, and I, and he was shaking so, it's embarrassing to say, but he was shaking so hard and, and I'm trying to calm him down because he's, he said, I'm going to give you a discount. And he went through, you know, they have that little list of different discounts yeah, they can yeah. get. Yeah. He, he, he went on all of them. <laughs> he took about $150 off my tab. <laughs> so I've got to give you this discount. <laughs> so, yeah, they rec- people recognize me. Yes, oh, they do. That's awesome. But not here in Napa. They don't know who I am in Napa. Napa, when I first got here, they asked me to do the ballet. Right. They asked me to be the hostess at a screening of the Academy Awards, mm-hmm. uh, and and that was just a small thing. It was a theater, you know, thing. But now, you know, I've been here 13 years or so, and all that is gone, and COVID, and everybody stayed home, sure. and nobody knows me at all. Do nobody. Pre- do you prefer that? Well, yeah, because I don't want to have to put on hair and makeup every yeah, day. Yeah, sure. You know, I can go to this. I'm right now. I'm in my jeans. I didn't even comb my hair. I didn't put makeup on today, <laughs> and I still got noticed at the fabric store. You know, <laughs> I'm eighty. I'm eighty-two years old. You know, <laughs> pretty good, Miss Beetle. <laughs> oh my God, you're telling me I'm still making money off this thing. You know, yeah. who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought? I'm truly blessed. Well, it's certainly a fascinating story, and I think it's uh, it's definitely a real story that people, I, I think, can relate to because, of, because you are so transparent about life. <laughs> well, I'm enjoying my life, and I never thought it would come to this. You know where I would be interviewed. You know, I did uh, I did a Zoom interview yesterday. Of course, the camera on my my computer didn't work, so we had to, it ended up me just being a voice. Yeah. But we went out and bought a new camera. I thought you were going to do it Zoom today, so I got the camera fixed. I'm already going to do one next time. 
<laughs> well, we'd lo certainly love to have you back. This has been a lot oh, of fun. Oh, I would love it. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad you, you picked out some things in the book that I like to talk about, too. <laughs> <you know>? Wonderful. <laughs> All right. Well, it's fascinating. You've been a fascinating guest. and I Thank I, you so much. I just so appreciate it. And God bless you both. And let's do it again. All right. All that right. sounds good. Take care, Charlotte. Okay. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.